0: Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal of Constitution with a special edition of the podcast Southern Fried Soccer. The topic of today's podcast is going to be the video assistant referee and replay system, specifically some events that occurred during Sunday's 1-1 draw between Atlanta United and Seattle. The events are one call that went against Seattle and one call that went for Seattle or conversely one call that helped Atlanta United, and one call that went against Atlanta United. Uh, A little bit of background. Um, I'm going to be joined, uh, or not joined, but I'm going to relay about a 30-minute conversation that I had with Howard Webb uh, of the Professional Referees Organization and the go-to person for all questions related to the video assistant referee and the replay system. Howard, uh, as you all may know, is considered one of the best referees Uh, In the world uh, before he retired Uh, Premier League, Champions League, World Cup uh, He's done it all He's always made himself available to me Uh, When I've had questions about this in the past uh, I I think he's an earnest guy I think he's an honest guy So I always appreciate when he takes the time To explain some things to me Uh, A little foreshadowing There's going to be a couple of things in this One is going to make Atlanta United fans Particularly happy I think, Though it's not going to help a whole lot Uh, At this point. But also, uh, this conversation is going to shed some more light into the replay system, how it works, and how much web wants it to work as best as it possibly can all the time. Uh, It's going to sound a little bit like I'm uh, reading a book to you, an an audio novel, uh, with how this conversation is going to go. But uh, this is the best way I can do it. I'm going to post a story, which will be a shorter version of this, a little bit later. You can find that uh, on AJC.com or I'll link to it off my Twitter feed at Doug Robertson AJC as well as our Facebook page at Lanny United News Now. A little bit of background about me and VAR and the replay system. When I heard this was going to be instituted, I was a little bit excited. I thought that this was going to be a great thing for soccer. Since then, I'm not as thrilled about it. Um, I've seen it used uh, in Atlanta United's games. That's the team I cover for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution so, so frequently. I'm trying to find out if there's been more replays in Atlanta United games than, than any other team's games this season. I can count off the top of my head at least six goals, either taken off the board or basically put on the board with penalty kicks because of reviews. That's far more than we were led to believe last summer when we went to a replay clinic before the homegrown game during All-Star Week in Chicago. This was right before the replay system was put into place near the end of August in Major League Soccer. Uh, It's one of six countries or six leagues around the world that use this system. It's since been ratified into the laws of the game. But it's just used too frequently, and the standard, I think, needs to be tweaked. The standard is supposed to be start with... Was there a clear and obvious error made by the the on-the-field referee? I'm going to share a little bit of what Howard Webb told me about that. And then Sunday, you know, the World Cup, there was a handball against Croatia that wasn't called a handball on the field. Uh, The VAR went to the referee, told him to look at the replay he did, and ruled it a handball. I thought it was totally the wrong call. Uh, It was one of those where if the call had been made a handball, I wouldn't have argued it, but to go and look at the replay and then rule it a handball, I thought was the totally wrong decision for a lot of reasons. The ball did hit his hand. It was not a deliberate act, and the word deliberate is throughout the rules regarding handballs. It was a ricochet off a French player. There's just no way it was a deliberate act. It was not a, hand, it, it was a handball, but it should not have been ruled a handball. It was ball to hand, not hand to ball. And then the Atlanta United game happens. Uh, There were two separate plays, uh, both handballs against Atlanta United players, and those are two of the things that Webb and I talk about. And we also talk about an incident with Chris McCann in the first half that I think a lot of Atlanta United's supporters have talked about. So I'm going to go into the conversation now. It's going to be kind of a what I said, what Howard Webb said kind of situation. So here we go. So my my first question to Howard was, please describe in more detail how clear and obvious error should be interpreted. Um, he said, basically that is Webb said the threshold that we try to work toward. We try to identify clear and obvious errors. We don't ask if the decision was right, but was the decision or non-decision clearly wrong? He thinks that's the best way forward for the video assistant referee and the on the field referee to work toward a higher threshold. Now, having said that, I said, when it comes to the, handball against Franco Escobar, it wasn't clear to me how that was a clear and obvious error by Toledo. As we, as I learned yesterday afternoon, MLS has a website for media to go and look at some of the calls made by uh, the referees and the VAR. I didn't know about this website. It hasn't really been broadcast until yesterday, uh, but I went and looked at it, and in the notes, Toledo says his vision was blocked on that play. He could not see the ball hit Escobar. So my question was, well, that's not a clear and obvious error. That's just more part of the circumstances of the game. It's just bad luck. Um, Webb said if the video assistant referee sees something and they see the decision as a clear error, regardless of what the referee saw, he wants the VAR to recommend a review. He said it was a challenging game for all the officials The VAR was presented with quite a lot of stuff. And as anyone who has followed soccer knows, a handball is probably the most challenging call in soccer. As he pointed out, we saw that in Moscow, which I referenced earlier. And again, he wants the referees to work to a higher threshold. So there were two handballs in the game. He circled back to the first one against Leandro Gonzalez-Perez before he talked about the one with Escobar. He said both were checked quite thoroughly by the uh, VR referee, Alex uh, Chilowitz. Um So first, with the one against Gonzalez Perez, as he describes it, the shot comes in at pace. Gonzalez Perez turns. As he turns, you know, your arm or his arm will kind of naturally move. It's the physics of the situation. LGP's arm comes out as he spins. The arm is still fairly low, so he, it's not considered an unnatural position, which is another part of the kind of how the rules are supposed to be interpreted regarding a handball. Uh, because of because of that motion and the fact that the hand wasn't in an unnatural spot, the VAR asked if it was clearly wrong that referee uh, Baldomero Toledo did not give a penalty. Now Toledo did the right thing, Webb said. He agreed with that outcome. Now he said Webb said the significant difference between the Gonzalez Perez and Escobar situations Is number one (coughs) with Escobar, the shot comes in from a further distance and his arm is already close to his head. I think he's referring to his left arm. Uh, When the ball strikes the arm, it strikes it in a high position. The VAR considered the arm to be in an unnatural position. uh, Whereas LGP's arm moved in a natural position in the motion. He described it as a pretty standard football play. I said, it looked like the ball came off his face off of Escobar's face first before it hit his hand. Webb said, did it come off the guy's face first? I suspect it did, but it's not totally conclusive. We're going to get back to that in a second. He said it's a credible decision to say it's a penalty. He goes on to say, I think there's an angle that shows to Toledo, and it looks 100% a handball. The ball comes in and strikes the arm in that position. He said that he is really okay with both outcomes in the subjective world of calling handballs. There were, they were two difficult situations. The first one was close. He thinks the criticism would have been greater had the VAR not intervened in either situation. I understand that point. However, having looked at what uh, the VAR saw, it, it's pretty clear to me that the ball hit Escobar's face first and then hit his hand. The angle that... Webb talks about where it clearly strikes his hand it's an angle from behind the goal in which Escobar is basically rendered as two-dimensional because it's a straight on point so when the ball comes at him you can't see that it hits his face and then his hand it appears to just hit his hand and bounce away there's another angle the same angle it's a top right, right quadrant of like a f- six screen view in which the ball hits his face off his hand and bounces away it's, it's clear as day Um, If you're watching an NFL game and we're trying to rule catch-no-catch, it would be a ball hit the ground, then was caught kind of a thing. Um, And also, Escobar was jumping and spinning, just like LGP. His arm was down to the right. That's how Escobar runs. He kind of has a goofy motion when he runs. I don't know if referees are supposed to be able to judge and remember the running styles of every player. But anyway, that was... That was my counter. Webb said he accepts the point about the camera angle, but he still believes that the VAR in Toledo made the right call. Okay. I also agree that a handball is the most difficult call to make in soccer, but it's one of those similar to the Moscow one. Had Toledo made the call, I probably wouldn't have argued it. Had he not made the call, I wouldn't have argued it. But the way that this was done, I thought was just it made a call that wasn't wrong. 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 But that's okay, we're going to agree to disagree, the game is over. The issue I had, in particular, with this particular review, and one that was raised by some of the guys in the press box and some of you on social media, is after the ball goes out of bounds and no call is made, Seattle's Nicholas Ladero appeared to basically refuse to take the corner kick until Toledo talked to the VAR. He messed with his socks, he messed with his shoes, Uh, the guys in the press box, we couldn't figure out what was going on because Ladero was not only nowhere near the corner, he simply wouldn't walk over there. At first I thought there must have been someone kind of behind the corner of the stadium for the run-up to the ball, and I just couldn't see them because it was taking so long. Um, It looked to me like you can see Toledo telling Ladero, giving him the waving motion to go over there and take the corner, much like a referee will do with a goalkeeper at the end of the game to speed things up. Webb said that, yes, players are getting wise to how to try to get more time um, for uh, the VAR to constitute a review and to signal to the referee that a check uh, either has been made or a review needs to take place. He he mentioned last week's NYC uh, Red Bulls game. I remember the play Robles. A call was offside for a goal. Robles put the ball down and immediately tried to take the goal kick to not give the VAR and the referee time. Uh, To review the play And and the referee pulled it back Um, He said that regardless of what Ladero did Toledo would have held the restart Alex Chilowit, the VAR Whom Webb spoke to on Tuesday Told Toledo that he was checking Until Toledo hears either check complete Or needs a review He was not going to allow that play to restart Uh, He said Ladero played no part In starting a review So there you go Now back to me again Another point I wanted to raise with him. Um, you know, we're told that this was supposed to be a quick process. It's only supposed to be every other game in which a review is, is going to be used, and I have some stats on that to share with you in just a second. Uh, you know, Jeff Lorinowitz and Michael Parker said that that uh, Toledo was talking to the VAR throughout the first half. As Lorinowitz said, he was on the phone a lot, man. He was on the phone a lot. I can recall, as I said before, at least six goals, I think, that have either been taken off or put on the board because of review just at Mercedes-Benz this season, which seems like an an abnormal amount for one team. I want to share some stats with you real quick before I share Webb's response. In 207 matches this season, there have been 1,454 checks, just 67 reviews, 7 checks per match, .32 average reviews, per match um 26 of the reviews have been for red cards 22 for goals 19 for penalty kicks um that's the reviews the total checks 492 for red cards 693 goals 279 for penalty kicks so there's a few stats as webb points out 67 checks so far the ratio is still one out of every three games He points out that that's consistent with the Bundesliga in Germany, which also is using VAR. He says it it does seem at some places it happens more, and Atlanta does seem to have its fair share of views. Whether that's a reflection of the way the game is played in Atlanta, he's not sure. You have to compare stats, and some of these stats I don't think are available how much time the ball spends in the penalty area. He points out that Atlanta United does play a fast brand of football, so maybe there are more more opportunities for penalty situations. He said maybe there are more offsides because of the way defensive lines are set up, and we're seeing that against Atlanta United. Um, So those are all areas in which a video review can get involved, and I thought they were also fair points to make. Um, Now, here's the most important one. In my opinion. The Chris McCann situation that has been shared throughout Twitter. um, It's a clear situation in the first half. It's a corner kick for Atlanta United. It happened just after a play in which Joseph Martinez and Chad Marshall got into it. Martinez squared up to Marshall. Some people thought that he gave Marshall a headbutt. I couldn't tell if it was a headbutt or if it was simply his hair kind of flopping around in Marshall's face. Um, But I could understand either viewpoint on that. Uh, But anyway, after the game, Martino is referencing this situation with Chris McCann indirectly by saying he thought the handball call was right against Escobar. He said what worries him is the things that are being looked at or reviewed and then not being called or recommended for review. I think he was directly referencing this Chris McCann play. Um, It was on the broadcast feed. So it was available for use by the VAR, and I'm going to explain a little bit more about that. And this is Webb's response, and I thought this was very professional of him. And I'm going to read you exactly what he said. He said, I totally agree with you. It should have been a penalty. You'd have no confidence in me if I said otherwise. It's clearly an offense by Kim. It should have been a penalty. Boldo should have called it. In the penalty area, sometimes things are missed. And we have VAR to look for these things. It's disappointing that these things weren't picked up. Webb spoke with Alex today and asked him about the situation. And here's what happened. And this is something that is a little, it's interesting. And MLS is looking to try to, or the PRO and MLS are going to work potentially to try to fix this. So the corner came in. In lifetime, the video assistant referee is watching the game camera. That's not the TV feed camera, that's the actual game camera. That's what's giving the VAR the window into the world, as Webb called it. So when you look at that camera, it's not clear that much happened. The players are together, Kim turns his back, and you don't see what happened with the arm across McCann's neck. So the ball pings around a little bit, then McCann gets up and kind of has a reaction as to what in the world, why didn't you call that? The ball goes out of bounds the VAR begins checking the play. The cameras they look at, there's a the big monitor, which is the game monitor, which is kind of a sideline view monitor. For those who play FIFA, it kind of looks like that. Um, and then below that is a four-camera split with different angles. The VAR looked at the, those four angles. Again, nothing looked, you know, too different than what you see on a lot of free kicks or corner kicks uh, around the penalty box. Unfortunately, the long camera angle, which would be the camera behind Guzan's goal coming down the field, is the one that clearly exposes that it's a penalty. That angle wasn't among the four that Alex looked at. And because he didn't suspect that there was anything abnormal that happened, he didn't call up that angle. There are about 12 cameras at Mercedes-Benz, so there's 12 feeds that he can look at. If after he looks at five angles and he doesn't suspect that there's anything wrong, he really has no reason to go to any other angles. So he didn't get a sense that he had missed anything. Again, Webb says that they work to a, th- a higher threshold, um, and so he empathizes a bit that Alex didn't catch it. And then he points out, and correctly If you go through all 12 angles on every corner, imagine how long that's going to take and how it's going to slow the game down. So a potential solution, he said, the one he's going to consider and talk to some people about, is trying to incorporate that program feed, um, which is the one, the long feed, um, into the four-way split or into another monitor or something that they can use more often. um, Or to assign someone to actually look at that specific program feed. The problem, of course, with the program feed is that it's being controlled by the producer and the match director. Sometimes the replays aren't shown for a while, or they're shown after a restart, and at that point it's too late. On this one, the replay was shown just before the ball was put back into play, but the VAR is looking at the four-way split, which is below the screen and the, the long game feed, which is being played higher up the bank of monitors. So, Webb said that Alex regrets missing it. Webb said he asked Alex, had you seen it, what would you have done? He said, I would have sent it down for review. That would have been the right outcome. He said, I mean, when you look at the play, you think, oh, my goodness, that's crazy. How is that not subject to review? And it's because the program feed wasn't the one he was looking at. He was looking at the four-way split. He didn't suspect that there was anything out of sorts. So that's what happened. Webb described it as an understandable human error, and they want to get things right. Now a question Jason Longshore asked me to ask uh, Webb yesterday was if there's any discussion of going to a centralized VAR headquarter with a dedicated pool of officials instead of kind of the grab bag kind of approach that's being done now with officials and with VAR at every stadium. Webb said that, you know, there's still only one of six countries that use VAR and replay in every game. When they began using it last August, it had not been ratified into the laws of the game. MLS felt it was probably prudent to not invest in a centralized solution until it was ratified into the laws of the game, and then they would look at it again. He said it. he knows that it's something that has been looked at as a possibility. It might be the way forward, something the league will continue to look at. The point of that is if you have a dedicated pool of officials and you're in a neutral spot, it would be more efficient. You could have more people looking at the feeds, and the percentage of accuracy should increase. Um, the, all, most of the other leagues in North America use a centralized replay system. Um, that's something that MLS could also do. And this is the last point, and I wanted to give Webb this time because he did take so much time to talk to me yesterday. Um, Webb said he, he doesn't want to be seen as if PRO is sitting in, in an ivory tower he said they work tireless, tirelessly to continue to improve and be the best they can be. They massively care that they get things right. When Webb said when he sees things that don't go well, it bothers him. He wants to have a positive impact on the game. He said we rectify mistakes pretty much every week. While we aren't perfect, we are striving to be the best we can be. We are looking to continually improve. We have a positive impact most of the time, and when we don't get it right, and like this one with a camera, We look to learn from the experience. So there you go. Uh, That wraps up another edition of Southern Fried Soccer. I hope that you'll rate uh, the podcast on uh, iTunes or Stitcher. That helps me. I hope you'll follow me, Doug Robertson, on Twitter at Doug AJC. I hope you'll follow me on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. I hope you'll consider subscribing to the Atlanta Journal of Constitution. But as always, you can find all of the content on AJC.com. And this wraps up another edition of Southern Fried Soccer on Wednesday, July 18th. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut, are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.